Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. of a cold yeah, one. Craig, yeah. how are you? I'm doing pretty good, brother. I had off day for the Pirates here because, you know, what makes sense is to have an off day on Thursday, play three games, have an off day, and then play 13 games straight. <laughs> it doesn't matter, though. I mean, like, normally when you're a team that's as out of it as the Pirates, if you're playing another team that's out of it and it drizzles for, like, five seconds, they just cancel the game. So they may not play all 13 of those games, you know? I mean, teams at the bottom, like... Something like the weather don't look, you know what? Don't look right today. Ah, we've only got about 10,000 people coming anyway. Just cancel the game. That, that'll that probably happen once or twice in there, right? I mean, 10,000 is being, uh, that's being very generous. <laughs> 2,000 people are coming. Yeah, just, just you know, give them, give them a free hot dog and send them on their way. We're not playing this one today. I mean, pretty much the, the only team that we're playing that uh, we got to play Cincinnati because Cincinnati is in the wild card chase. We got to play them nine times. So those games will happen. Well, and I think the Pirates should play up for that. I think that Derek Shelton should be telling his guys these games matter and we might be out of it. But show me your best in those nine games. I think that it's important to when you're going up against a team that's going to be playing with intensity, teach your young team how to handle intensity by telling them those games matter because the Reds are going to be coming in and trying to win those games because they're trying to make the postseason. So give a little lesson to your younger guys who are not going to go to the playoffs this year, probably next year, and who knows how long until they get there, but give them at least a taste of meaningful baseball late and going up against a team that's going to do everything they can to win every one of those games. That's going to be doing pitching maneuvers like it's the playoffs because they need to find a way into the postseason and they're right there in the thick of it. So take advantage of that, set up your pitching rotation, and and have a little bit of urgency when you play the Reds, because uh, it'll rub off on your players, I think. And I think that's good for them. I think I think it's good if they have a taste of, like, these games are important, and it's time for me to play at my, my utmost, my highest level. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that, Chris, and especially when it's the Reds, a team that, you know, has kind of been a rival in and out since, like, about 2012, and, and a team that there has been some, you know, bad blood in the past. We've had some some fights go on, some just different arguments and stuff. So I think that, you know, the Pirates with just a little bit of fire in their belly, it's it's probably a good thing. And for, you know, for Derek Shelton to, to show what type of, you know, leader he is over these next few weeks. I want to talk uh, real quick about something, and I, I, I just want to look it up. I was curious. I saw Cabrian Hayes. Over the past week since we talk, we have a big hit late in the game. He has not had a great year, but I had this inkling that Cabrian is still a very clutch player. So first I went and I found Brian Reynolds, who we can all agree is the star at the plate for this team. Uh, A guy with an OPS plus of 142 this year. 
an OPS of 897. His on-base percentage is 383. His slugging is 514. He's a 5.1 war, and he may finish the season as a six or higher. I mean, that's that's a star player in, in the National League and Major League Baseball, and, and the Pirates have him. But when you look at his splits and you see, does he perform any differently in big situations? What you find is he actually pretty much performs the same. Uh, he actually hits very well when they're ahead. His OPS is 1064, 1064 when they are ahead in ball games. Oh, geez. When they are behind in ball games, it drops below what his average is to 853. That's not bad. I'm not saying that he's not good unless he's a, he's ahead and there's no pressure. But what it shows is that like he's just about as good a player when they need him and when they don't need him in a blowout or in a close game. He's pretty much the same guy. In fact, late and close, he's had 67 games and 85 plate appearances where it's late in the game and it's close. And his, his OPS is 916, so he's actually slightly better than his, his norm. But then I went to Cabrian Hayes, and this is where the stark comparison comes in. Cabrian Hayes is under major league average for OPS this year. He's got an 89, 100 for OPS plus is, is even. It's, it's league average. He's at an 89 OPS plus. His actual OPS is only 694, which is not good. You, you, would, you would see a guy that's got a 694 OPS, you would not be impressed with him at all. You could bring up minor leaguers that can do better than that. Yeah, Chris. I mean, I think earlier in the year we said 700 was our cutoff for starters on our team. Right, exactly. So he's had a bad year at the plate. But with two outs and runners in scoring position, Cabrian Hayes' OPS is 815. He's got an OPS plus of 125. When there's two outs and runners in scoring position, that has happened now, 33 plate appearances, Cabrian Hayes rakes. He's driven in 12 runs. He's got a home run and a double in there. But he's hitting 323 in those situations. So if there's anything to take away from Cabrian's season, is that when the competitive juices are flowing, when he has an opportunity to do something for your team, he has actually performed very well. That's a bright spot right there for that young man, I think. That's a pretty good stat there, Chris. I mean, I it definitely seems like I, I know that like somebody will say like this guy is like the clutchiest player. I mean, Jacob Stallings I've looked at before and and he, you know, performs better later in games when it's closer, when there's, you know, men in scoring position. There, there's different things that go on. And, and for Cabrian, I think those are the times we just kind of see the type of of baseball player he is. I don't know if he's, you know, putting too much pressure on himself earlier in games. Um, he looks out of place at times. A lot of people are talking about, you know, how the wrist injury is almost like the handmade injury where it's, you know, it, it's still not getting himself up to speed. But for me, a, a lot of this stuff has to do with, you know, Cabrian Hayes, he's hitting to the opposite field. He's not pulling the ball that much. He knows where to like pick and choose his spots. He He's almost like one of those guys that, can direct the ball to where it wants to go. It was something that we noticed earlier in spring training um, that we noticed um, actually after he came back a little bit, we noticed, but he's not pulling the ball as much. So I don't know if it's that's out of his comfort zone and he's he's feeling something at that point in time. But to me, it shows that, you know, Cabrian Hayes is a kid that I've said this, Chris, that I've, I was never super high on his his bat coming up through the minors. 
I was absolutely shocked, as everybody else was, by September of last year and thought that he was more of, you know, what he's showing now and maybe a little bit better, a little bit in between. But but the one thing that he is, is he's he's a good hitter. Like, it's not like somebody saying, well, this guy's like, you know, going to be a 300 hitter or 325 hitter to be a good hitter. There's some guys that hit like 265, 270 that are really good at the plate and have, you know, really good approach, but they just may not be to that upper echelon. It's like, this guy's just a good ball player, and I, I can definitely see that. Uh, when he came up last time and he got the game-winning hit, which was actually his first game-winning hit uh, for the Pirates, the actually yeah, the first walk-off, I could, you could almost call it. Like, that he all he needed was a hit. And if there wasn't the pressure for him to have to, you know, drive the ball and get a home run or a double or anything like that, and that a single would win the game, it was almost a guarantee. It's like a guy that's just, like, standing out there and he's your best free-throw shooter and you got two shots to win the game, you're like counting it before it even happens. So that's what Cabrian Hayes can bring. I think some of that power will come back. I think there definitely has to be something with that injury for as long as he was off. Um, but I just don't look for it to be a huge turnaround. But like you said, Chris, he's a guy that can produce in those types of situations. And he's just, he's not phased by the spotlight. A couple other interesting things about him, which uh, to me, this would indicate there might be a correction that's going to come next year. Because I would think that there's there's got to be a reason. If you're, if you're instructing him as a hitting coach, there's got to be a reason for some of these weird splits with him. First of all, he's so much better at the beginning of a game than the end of a game. It, 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 is, it is striking the difference in, in the way that he hits at the beginning of the game. In the first three innings of a game, he hits 311 with an 810 OPS. In the middle three innings, he hits 237 with a 645 OPS. And in innings seven, eight, and nine, he's hitting 200 with a 595 OPS. So he falls off as the game goes on. So then that made me say, okay, well, is he the kind of guy that when he's thinking about it too much, that he gets in his own head? So I wanted to look at what happens in the counts with him. Uh, first pitch. 745 OPS, a 10 count, a 903, a 20 count, 1400, a 30 count, 875. If he's 01, he's still in the count. 01 has a 1081 OPS. And on a 11, a 795, and on a 21 count, a 929. It's when he gets deep in the counts that he falls apart. 22 count, once he's on that, he's already got four pitches. He's seen his fifth one. A 540 OPS. Whenever he ends up with two strikes on him, he really has a rough time with two strikes. And that, that's that's noticeable. That That's going to happen to most guys. There's only Hall of Famers sometimes don't see that big of a drop-off. But it looks like as he gets late in a count, even on a 3-1 count, he's got three balls and a strike, but he's seen four pitches. After he's seen four pitches with a 3-1 count of 587 OPS. So what that tells me is, Early in a game, when he's just out there and he's just starting the game and he's loose and he's not thinking about his mistakes, he hits. Late in a game, he snowballs onto himself. Early in a count, no matter if he's down in the count or up in the count, if it's early in the count, he's good. But when it's late in the count, when it's after the first four pitches that he sees, even if he's 3-1, his OPS falls off of a cliff. 
his production falls off a cliff. So he's an early in the count guy this year and an early in the game guy. So I, I would love to hear, and I don't know if there's somebody we can bring on professional. We've had a lot of guys on around the Pirates before, so maybe it's time to get a former player in here or a coach or somebody to join us on Bucks in the Basement like we haven't had in the past. But I would love to know if that indicates something to them, that, that a guy is so good early in a count and early in a game, but the more time he has to think, he's not getting better because he's seeing more pitches. He's getting worse because he's seeing more pitches throughout the game and throughout the count. That's surprising. That is really surprising to me, especially when when you think about when I just went through that I I didn't seem like that the you know the lights were too bright for Cabrian, but when you think about like uh, you know classic pitcher you know hitter battles throughout the throughout the years and and you know going deep in those counts and fouling off balls and and you would think that you know with Cabrian with how how well he hits the ball even. You know, he's still hitting the ball hard. He's still making good contact. Uh, I know his launch angle is extremely down, you know, for this portion of the year. But for a guy that can just make, like, such good contact all the time, you would think that he would be in those battles. And it's like, you know, where, like, the pitcher is like, oh, my God, I don't know what to throw to this guy because he's just, you know, he's just ke- keeping keeping up with me and getting everything. It's it's like the exact, exact opposite where the pitcher is just like, oh, Three one. I've got Cabrian exactly where I want him. Like it's just, it's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it really is that fourth after four pitches. After he's seen four pitches, he's done. He's just not very good. If he can get it in the first four pitches, or if he can get it before he gets two strikes. Once he gets two strikes on him, he's done. Once he sees four pitches in a count, he's done. He's he's a very different hitter. Even when he's three one, he's seen four pitches, he's done. Like he just falls that's, off a cliff. That's, that's, that's crazy. The, that's the one that's crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, it's a small, it's a smaller sample size than some of the other ones as I look at the numbers, but it does occur at that rate. And I just, I, it, and when I look at that and I look at how he's having a hard time later on in the game too, I, I, it, I wonder if there's something there. Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm just grasping at straws because the Pirates are out of it and there's not very much to talk about. We can't. We were just waiting to get to the off season. You know, even my fantasy baseball season is winding down. But I like. Like, and I'm just looking for something here, but when I was looking up his splits, because I was looking for that clutch thing, I also noticed that when I was going through it. So he's clutch, but it, that must be happening a lot at the early in games too, with runners on, at, you know, in two outs. You know, when he's got runners in scoring position with two outs. So it's very interesting. He's a, he's a baller when he needs to be, but in the everyday part of the game, the later he gets in a game and the later he gets in a count, you see him drop off instead of improving latent counts because he's seen more pitches. Yeah, and I mean, they were saying they, I mean, trying to get him more bats, they'd move him up to leadoff spot. I just think they're trying to do anything to kind of get him going, and he gets going for like a few games, and then it just kind of seems like that it just either doesn't stick or he just has an off day or whatever. But, and that's just, that's going to happen. Everybody just kind of wants to see his average finish finish above like 260 and his OPS finish above 700 and basically say, you know what, that was a little bit rough of a, you know, quote unquote rookie season after only playing, you know, a month last year. And, you know, you dealt with an injury, so hopefully we can build beyond that. But also looking at it, Chris, he turned down a contract extension before the season and bet on himself. For this season, 
And I'm guessing in Brian's eyes, this wasn't the season that he envisioned. No, no, not at all. Or that when he went back to the Pirates and said, oh, you remember when you guys gave me that lowball offer? Well, look what I did. And now the Pirates can go back to him and say, because here's my thing, Chris, and we've always said this, is that even if Cabrian Hayes performs like he did this year with the bat, which was not great, and it was only in what is going to come down to being about, you know, a half a season. If he plays a full season healthy, just based on his defense, he's going to be around a three, four war player, even without the bat. It's going to be like, it's like three war is probably going to be the base of that. And so that's where I'm still going at him with an extension. This doesn't scare me off, like not even in the least as far as that, but he just basically took, unfortunately, the upper hand that he had from his, you know, absolutely ridiculous September, which he, even he probably knew wasn't going to continue, but he still had that upper hand to say, hey, I'm going to be able to do something close to that, or I'm going to show you guys, I'm going to go out and win Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go out and do this or whatever. Unfortunately, injuries came. He didn't get to play the full season at his full potential. But, I mean, you got to think that the Pirates are going to come back come back knocking again in the offseason here and say, hey, remember that offer? It's a little bit less now. I, that's what I would do. I would I would play hardball with them. You could do that, but here's the thing. Let's let's look at this from a different angle, real quick. Instead of being down on Cabrian Hayes, and I'm trying to show like some good things about him. Let, let's look at this at a different angle. Jonathan India, who is going to be a guy you're going to see a lot in, in here at the end of the season, playing for the Reds. A lot of people believe that is your clear cut National League Rookie of the Year. And Jonathan India is a guy who was a third baseman down the minors that has been moved over to second base now that he's gotten to the majors. Uh, so he's a similar type of guy to Cabrian Hayes. He's an infielder. And he had 466 at-bats so far this year and has produced a 3.6 war with an OPS plus of 116. He's hitting 273. Cabrian Hayes, for his career, has had just a hair under 400 at-bats. And he's got a better batting average at 281. He's got an OPS plus of 113. And his, and his war, his wins above replacement, according to baseball reference, his B war is higher than India's at 4.1. Yeah. So in, in reality, if you replace the injury time this year that Cabrian had with what he did in that very small sample size, what he did was have an uneven rookie season, if you combine those two into an actual rookie season, because that's really all he's gotten. He has not even gotten the same amount of at-bats as India, even though he was around for the partial season last year at the very back end of it. And he's performed at a level over that period of time equal to India's. So is he going through what every rookie goes through at some point, where teams see that rookie and beat that rookie up until that rookie makes adjustments? It happens. You know, the, the easiest example that I can make for it is uh, is Luis Robert. Luis Robert uh, jumped out of the gate during the shortened season last year and was considered to be the American League Rookie of the Year candidate. In the last three weeks, he couldn't get a hit. Not a single solitary hit. And then he had a shortened season at the beginning of this year because he got injured and he was out for a couple of months. And now he's raking. But the thing is is that there was a point where he had to make an adjustment because teams figured him out. 
The Brian's right in that range of when that happened to Robert. There, there are plenty of rookies that that happens to. So I wouldn't sit there and say, well, this is what Cabrian is, and it was just a flash last year. It's just quite possible that he's going through the regular cycle that most major league hitters go through when they first get up. They may have it, they may have skills, they may go nuts, and then pitchers figure them out, and they have to make an adjustment, which again could be a reason why we're seeing him not do well late in games, because teams are adjusting to what he's doing when they're looking at film in-game, and pitchers are discussing things with their coaches, and he's not adjusting very well. Maybe that's his problem. He's not good at adjusting right now. That's something he needs to work on. I wouldn't I wouldn't stick a fork in him because he had a he had a he had a rough run here this year. I think if you look at last year and this year and combine it, he's pretty much the same player as what India did over his first four hundred so at bats. Yeah, and I'm not sticking a fork in him. I and I just like I said, I still think that, that it exists somewhere in the middle, which would be like right where India's at and right where his average is at for his his entire career. And then also look that you know, he was down with John Nunnally last year, and we brought that up that, you know, he discovered something down there and noticed that the Pirates hitting coach just got fired because he wasn't making guys better. He wasn't making, maybe making those guys adjust. Who knows? So, I mean, I think that he, after a full off season here, I think we'll see a better version of Cabrian Hayes, but I also think that the Pirates should lowball him a little bit and and make him feel a little bit sorry for not playing that great this year and and hopefully get him into an extension get Brian Reynolds into an extension if Cabrian doesn't take it then it's fine too you know you've got him for a few more years now anyway so it's it's just worth it was just basically me saying it's it's worth going out and saying you know hey we're going to let's have these discussions again cuz once again i would say have the discussions with him have the discussions with Reynolds I'm not really sure I would have the discussions with anybody else yet at this point um, and and see where it goes from there. But no, I mean, I feel like that he, that's where like in talking him up, like I feel like he he knows the game. Like he's one of those guys that you can just see that when he's in the moment, he knows how to play the game. He knows like the feel for the game and having that hit basically being like, this is what's going to happen. Like it was already known and he took it. And he took the pitch that was given to him. He didn't try to turn on it. And that's the other part is, is that a lot of people, I mean, I mean, I looked when I, I know when Gary did the article on him, that they were pitching him outside a lot. Well, it would also be like, I'd like to look at that again to see how, how much they're pitching him outside. Cause how many times can you turn on those outside balls? You got to kind of take what's given to you. Right. You know, and I know they've been pitching him. He does like the inside ball, but he can't he can't get around on it quick maybe, enough. Maybe his problem is he's not taking what they're giving him. Maybe he's not going oppo enough. Maybe he's not going where the pitch is. And that's a thing that a lot of rookie hitters have a problem with. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns, 
and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. Is Yoshi uh, Susugo? Has he figured something out all of a sudden magically with the Pirates? What could the Pirates have done that all of a sudden made him better here than with the Dodgers or with the Rays? Because with the Rays, he had he had 87 plate appearances and hit 167 with a 462 OPS. With the Dodgers, he had 31 plate appearances with a 120 average and a 410 OPS. And with the Pirates, 72 plate appearances, hitting 279 with a 1,096 OPS and an OPS plus of 190. Like, what the hell is going on here? Seven home runs with the Pirates. Didn't have any other home runs this year until he got to the Pirates. What the heck is this? What what is happening here? I mean, like, like you you and I both said, why bring this guy on? What are you going to do with him? I hope he I hope he signs with the Pirates. I hope they convince him and like you need Pirates home cooking because that's the only time you're any good. That's shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, I I've had some conversations with people about this, and and there was it's this to me is like it's it's twofold. Um, number one, I mean, he did come from you know the Japanese baseball, like professional baseball. You know, he's an NPB. He's he's there. A lot of people have said that that's equated to to around like double A in baseball, like in in the major leagues in America. That, you know, some guys can, you know, make that jump and come in and be good, you know, from the get-go and not have to get up to speed on American baseball. In the Japanese leagues, they throw a lot more curveballs, a lot more change-ups. They're, they're more of the off-speed type of guys. There's not really too many flamethrowers that come out, you know, there. So they're used to, you know, getting used to that type of pitching. If you look at, you know, the teams that he was playing against when he was when when you're in like the division with when you're at the Rays and you're there, you know, facing, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, there there's a lot of guys that throw pretty hard in there. When you're with the Dodgers, there's a lot of guys that throw pretty hard in there. And I feel like the Pirates, it seems like they they face a lot of soft tossers, is what I'll call it. They get like the old soft tossed tossing lefties and righties. I mean, they basically face the Cardinals, which I'm pretty, I, I, at this point in time, I'm almost sure the average age of the Cardinals rotation has to be somewhere around like 36 years old. These guys are older than me. I mean, I, I think some of them could be my dad. I have, I have no idea. They're very old. Yeah. So I just look at like some of the, since he's come, since he's come to the, you know, I've seen him go up against a decent amount of, of soft tossers in those instances so I don't know if that would be a piece of it. Well, here, um, here, you know what's interesting? You bring that up, so then I go, okay, well, has he has he played any minor league baseball? And this year, he had a stop in the Dodgers AAA uh, oh, yeah, system. In Oklahoma City, right? And, and you know what he did? Over 180 at-bats, he hit 257 with an 868 OPS. So what, what that shows is that he if he was a double-A player, essentially, like you're saying in the league that he was in, he was able to perform in AAA. But maybe it's just because the jump was too big. But what that would also tell me is that maybe, just maybe, he could figure it out with the Pirates. 
that he could be the kind of guy that since he was still developing even at this age, and he's 29 this year, this is his 29-year-old year, okay? Yeah. So he's going to be 30 next year. But there might be some skill there. He's just a guy that had to adjust, and it took more time. And now you understand why Charrington goes out and gets him because he's thinking to himself, well, maybe, maybe he just needed more time. Because now they'll get the whole offseason to work with him if they can convince him that, they, that he comes back. And then that's not a bad player to have on your team. And I just, I just don't know where the position will be for right now. I mean, he, they've put him in right field. He looks just absolutely lost and just not athletic enough to even play the outfield. First base, I mean, he would be serviceable. But then what do you do with Moran? So that's where my mind just kind of goes. And do you, you know, if, if it was a given that the DH would be in there, for him to, like, DH, platoon at first – do a little bit of pinch hitting. I feel like he would be perfect if you could get him for the right price. But there's like no way that like last year we were sitting here at this point in time. And I know that people are going to go nuts because, you know, Josh Bell has, you know, 25 home runs or whatever this year. But we were sitting here just after this time last year. And you had said to me, you know, Colin Moran or Josh Bell. And I said, I said, Colin Moran. I thought we could get more in a trade for Josh Bell, and I'm not even going to get into that discussion because that was already like worn out on Pirates Twitter, and it just it drove me nuts. But it, you can't even go with the conversation of you know Tutsugo versus versus Moran because I I I don't even know if he's if Tutsugo's you know good enough at first base to look any better than Bell did. Well, Tutsugo is like technically. His Pirates career has uh, his very small sample size is better than what Moran did this year for the Pirates, but I'm I'm with you on that. But I mean, it, it, this is this is all about competition at this point and just trying to find the right pieces. And if he's good enough that the Pirates can develop him, even if the Pirates develop him into a good enough hitter, that at the midway point next season, a team looking for a bat comes knocking and they're able to add to their team by trading a 30 year old guy who all of a sudden has started to figure it out, but you don't have room for, then then you do it because you're still trying to find every piece that you can. Like, I still believe that the Pirates in the offseason and the Pirates next year are still in acquire pieces. If it's a piece that is going to be around when you make your run, then, it, then you keep your piece. If it's a piece that's a certain age that has a really nice first half, a la Adam Frazier, and you're able to move that person for other pieces, then you're doing it. So he would maybe fall into that second category, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's for me, I, I'm actually, I would like it. And I like that they have a guy like Gamble who would be in that type of situation as well to to not have to go out and search for these free agents like Ben Sherrington has done uh, for the past two years. Because, I mean, other than Tyler Anderson, he hasn't really brought in much free agent-wise that, that's gotten me you know, too excited, you know, during the, the off season. So I, I kind of like that if some of these guys could work out like a, like a Dylan Peters, um, like you, like a Tsutsugo, like a Ben Gamble, and even to, to some degree, uh, maybe they've, you know, they got Wilmer Defoe. If they're thinking that some of the guys, you know, aren't ready yet to play full time at, you know, second base or shortstop, that then having him around is a good thing. I'd, I'd like it to be, I don't mind still going out and trying to, you know, find these, you know, diamonds in the rough, but I'd also like to have at least somewhat of a more, I don't know if it would just be consistent base or just more of a, 
a structured base before we get into that. And it doesn't even mean those guys are going to stick around for the long term. I guess it's just my own thing of just like, I don't want to go through another year of Alfred slash Fowler slash Kai Tom slash whoever, you know, in the outfield. It would be nice to to have, you know, somebody to at least, if they're performing well, if they if they mesh well with this organization, which it seemed like Tutugo does, seems like Gamble really likes being here as well. That if you could keep, you know, some of those guys around, you still have Gamble with one more year arbitration, but if you can get Tutugo to sign, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, even if it was in a first base, right field in a pinch and, and pinch hitting role, I'd be fine with that. I, I feel like he brings some excitement to the team. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but